I want to know more about my Lord. I want to know more about that mansion I'm going to receive as my reward. I want to know more about that homeland. I mean to go there someday, somehow. And after I reach that heavenly city, I mean to know more. And I know now, oh, I want to know more about my Jesus. I want to know more about my Lord. I want to know more about that mansion I'm going to receive as my reward. I want to know more about that homeland. I mean to go there someday, somehow. After I reach that heavenly city, I mean to know more than I know now. I want to know more about my Jesus. I want to know more about my Lord. I want to know more about that mansion I'm going to receive as my reward. I want to know more. About that homeland, I mean to go there someday, somehow. And after I reach that heavenly city, I mean to know more than I know now. Let's sing that song just any day now. Just any day now, our Lord is coming, He'll be returning for you. Just any day now, our Lord is coming. He'll be returning for you and me. Oh, I've been Just any day now, our Lord is coming, He'll be returning for you and me. Oh, I've been Any day now, 
just want to welcome you this evening. Let's put it in the key of D. This is what it says here. Let's sing that song, I Will Enter His Gates. So I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His courts with praise. And I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. For now He has made me glad. Yes, He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Oh, He has made me glad. Yes, He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Oh, I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Oh, now He has made me glad. Oh, He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. And He has made me glad. Oh, He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. And I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His courts with praise. And I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. Oh, I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Come on now. Oh, now He has made me glad. Yes, He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. And He has made me glad. Yes, He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Oh, now He has made me glad. Yes, He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. And He has made me glad. Yes, He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. And it's Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. It's Jesus on the inside, He's working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Oh, it's Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. And oh, what a change. Ghost on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life! It's the Holy Ghost on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life! It's the Holy Ghost on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life And oh, what a change 
the word on the inside, working towards the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. It's his word on the inside, working towards the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. It's the word on the inside, working towards the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. And oh, what a change in my life. Oh, it's Jesus on the inside. He's working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. And it's Jesus on the inside, working towards the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. And it's Jesus on the inside, working towards the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. And oh, what a change. inside there changing me every day let's uh, put it in the key of C we'll go ahead and change the order up a little bit here uh, this evening Jehovah Jireh he's my Oh, my 
several who are not here that are sick. We just want to remember them. Uh, we just have uh, Henry Coffey, who is uh, not with us this evening because of that, and uh, Sister Jackie Sylvester, uh, who is sick. And we also have uh, Brother Mike Pritchard, who is not able to be with us uh, due to work. So we just want to remember him in prayer, and uh, Brother Joe Drum as well. We just want to continue to remember him in prayer with a, a touch from the Lord and uh, I also have here, she's here this evening, but uh, my grandmother, uh, Sister Shirley, I know she's been having some uh, sickness and allergies, so we just want to continue to remember her. And I also have a special unspoken prayer request uh, for a son of a minister. I do not have that name of the minister, um, but who is sick, and so we just want to remember that need as well. And I also have a request here from Brother Matt uh, to remember a co-worker of his, uh, Virgil. Uh, his parents are failing in health, and it's uh, beginning to take a heavy emotional and physical toll on him as well. So uh, we just want to remember that need in prayer as also. And uh, I know we all have many unspoken prayer requests just by the lifting of your hand. The Lord knows that need, whatever it may be, whether it's a physical, a mental need, a financial we know God can provide for that need. So if you would just stand and if I could have Brother Josh come at this time. Let's just bow our heads. Kind, gracious, Heavenly Father, we're just thankful, Lord, to be able to gather here tonight, Lord, uh, to worship you, Lord, to hear your word, Lord, to speak to our hearts. Lord, there's many here amongst us, Lord, uh, that couldn't make it here tonight, Lord, whether it's work, Lord, or sickness, Father. We pray, Lord, you could go to them now, Lord, and minister to them, Lord. 
We pray, Lord, that if there's a need amongst us, Lord, that was an uplifted hand, Lord, whether it's a financial need, Lord, or a personal need, Father, or even salvation, Lord, we pray you just can go to them, Lord, and can touch their heart, Lord, and bring that conviction, Lord, where it's needed. Lord, we pray, Lord, for the remainder of our service, Lord, that you just come, Lord, amongst us, Father, now, and may your presence just fill up this room, Lord, in our hearts. Be with the minister, Lord, as he brings the word. May you just take over his mind and his heart, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats. And uh, we do have a special, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, go into that. And uh, Dad is going to be singing a special for us this evening. So. Lord, keep me sanctified When the storm clouds gather When the battle gets rough And the way seems so hard Lord, when I tried so hard When I'm in such a failure Whatever I do Whatever I say Lord, keep me sanctified When the messenger came To old Job that evening And he said to Job All your children have died I can hear old Job say Though God slay me, I'm gonna trust him Job lost everything he ever did gain, but he stayed sanctified. Lord, keep me sanctified when the storm clouds gather, when the battle gets rough and the way seems so hard. Lord, when I tried so hard and when I've been such a failure Whatever I do Whatever I say Lord keep me sanctified When my work down here On this old earth has ended And I Sweet Savior's side I'm gonna praise His name Forever and ever For the way that He always stood by me And kept me sanctified Lord, keep me sanctified When the storm clouds gather been such a failure Whatever I do Whatever I say Lord keep me sanctified Lord keep 
sanctified when the storm clouds gather when the battle gets rough and the way seems so hard Lord when I tried so hard and when I've been such a failure whatever I do whatever I say Lord keep me sanctified whatever I do whatever I say Lord keep me sanctified thank you let's sing uh, the song put it in the key of F go ahead and change the order now and if you would just stand with me at this time actually I'm sorry put it in E flat I am the God that he left Your healer. 
sent my word. Oh, I sent my word and healed your disease. I am the Lord, your healer. Amen. If we could have the ushers come forward, if you would just continue to play that softly. as Brother Barry comes this evening just sing the song same key just make it your prayer consume me Lord with the fire of your spirit consume me Lord and make me more
sacrifice was acceptable to God is that it was consumed. And whenever God touched a or a, a, a priest offered a sacrifice and uh, it was set on the altar and set aflame and the smoke rose up to God, it was all an indication that that was acceptable to God. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, as we were singing that song, I think it's a, it's a, a, a great way to express the fact that uh, if nothing else, Lord, I'm here tonight to be like an offering, and I just want to lay myself on the altar. And I'm not trying to accomplish anything. I just want you to receive me as I am and just consume me, Lord, and use me and just take me in all my weakness and everything else, Lord, and just uh, let the smoke rise up in the presence of God and let it be pleasing to him. And that's a wonderful way to approach the beginning of our service tonight and just say, Lord, here I am, and I... I have nothing in my hands to bring, Lord, but I, I'm, I'm told in Romans 12 to present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. And so if that's, if that's the case, let's sing it again, and let's just make this a personal thing now. This is your personal uh, expression of surrender and submission to God. And just say, Lord, I, I'm not here to, I have no agenda tonight. I'm just here to hear from you, and I'm here, Lord, to receive from you. And I just want you to take my life, my mind, my heart, my thoughts, my everything, Lord, and just receive it tonight. And may, may the, the odor of my life, may it just be pleasing to you as it rises into your presence tonight. So just make it personal now and sing it again. Consume gathered in your presence tonight and lord we invite you now to come in a very personal way like brother andy prayed lord in a very real way lord to speak to our hearts and remind us lord of your great promises and lord your word is often made so clear just in its simplicity and father we don't want to make it any more complicated than it needs to be and so we just pray that you'd move us all out of the way and lord just have your way among us speak to us i pray Father, forgive us of anything that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. We consider this to be a sacred place, a sacred thing to do. It isn't just because it's Wednesday, but Lord, because it's an opportunity for us to gather in your presence, that's what makes it so important, and that's what makes it so sacred. 
Father, have your way now, we pray, and bless the reading of the word, and may it just strike a chord in every heart. And Father, we'll give you thanks and honor and praise and glory. And we ask, O oh God, that you administer to those who are not here as well. For whatever reason, Lord, and you know all about it, we commit their needs to you. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. And all the bride said, take your Bible, if you will, if you don't mind, Psalm, uh, sorry, the book of Job we're going to go to first. The book of Job, chapter 13. God bless you all. It's certainly nice to have all of you here uh, tonight with us. And uh, I appreciate you coming out on a Wednesday night. I know Wednesday night is a challenge, but I'm glad that you're all here. Uh, Brother William, good to have you here on a Wednesday night. God bless you. And uh, all of you that are here and visitors, and God bless you all. Um, Brother Troy and Sister Connie, I need you to make sure you don't leave without chatting before you go, all right? I've been trying to reach you, so if you don't mind, we're working on some administrative things with them and need to talk to them. They're not in trouble. Job chapter 13 and verse <clears throat> verse 6. Very rarely do I read out of the book of Job for a text, but I took a little thought here this evening. Is it good that he should search you out? Or as one man mocketh another, do you so mock him? He will surely reprove you if you do secretly accept persons. Shall not his excellency make you afraid and his dread fall upon you? Your remembrances are like unto ashes and your bodies to bodies of clay. Hold your peace. Let me alone that I may speak and let me, and let come on me what, I, what will. And wherefore do I take my flesh in my teeth and I put my life in mine hand? Verse 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. Hear diligently my speech and my declaration with your ears. May God at his blessing you may be seated. Let me say again, it's good to be back uh, among you, and uh, I, I, you know, there's there's something uh, good about the summer months because they're summer months, but there's something not so good about summer months, and that is, you know, we're we're moving around a lot, and I don't know if we can we can ever do anything about that, but it is what it is. But it's good to be back, and it's good to see all of you, and good to have you here tonight. And uh, if I could, and I'll try tonight, shake every one of your hands and uh, say it's good to be back with you again. Now, just uh, before we begin, I just wanted to give you a little, uh, just a couple of of photographs here. And uh, I've been going to Norway since 1978. And uh, we calculated that uh, back. Good to have Brother Tom back. And uh, good to have you here, Brother Tom. We certainly did uh, miss you, the anchor of the team. And... uh, 1978, uh, right in there, was the first time I went to Vodheim, uh, Norway. And I, uh, I thought when I got there, I died and went to heaven. And uh, it's just such a, a lovely, peaceful place, and still very much is. Uh, so we were able to reconnect with friends again. The last time I was there, I had pneumonia. I had I preached an Easter service and several years ago, and, and uh, so I wasn't at my best. But uh, this brother over here on the... On the right-hand side picture is Brother Sven Eric, and uh, he is the other half of Vision Books. He, uh, he he's the guy who does all the formatting and 
Uh, he's a professional printer, and uh, he he does today what I did when before I, I was, got in the ministry. So he's a very knowledgeable fellow, and he and I communicate all the time, and we had an opportunity to be able to sit together, and it's just really uh, great to be able to get together like that and uh, talk about uh, different things that have gone on and then things that we need to change and do in the future. And uh, so this was uh, one shot of the church there, lovely church, uh, no air conditioning, but lovely church uh, there. And it's just coming on summer, so it was, it was quite, quite warm there, actually. And this is uh, my translator over here, uh, Brother Jan, and uh, on the other side is Brother uh, myself and Brother Jan, my translator right here. That's the pastor's son-in-law, and this is Brother Jan Rogna. And Brother uh, Jan Rogna lives on the east, uh, sorry, the west coast of Norway. And that's the part that uh, when you go outside the fjord, he has a fjord in his town. There's about 3,000 people living in his town right in the mountains. And there's a fjord there that runs out into the ocean. The next stop is Greenland. And uh, he's that far north. It is one of the absolutely most beautiful places in the world uh, to go there. It's It's just breathtaking to be able to... Uh, go to uh, his town, and uh, he's just a wonderful brother, and drove over for the uh, meetings there, and uh, we were able to see him after a number of years. Now, I wanted to um, just show you this picture. I love this picture. This is uh, Brother Aaron sent me this this morning. This is Makunda, Makunde. Is that how you say it? That's close enough, right? Uh, in Zimbabwe, and uh, Brother Aaron heard from these folks, and they have a a church that has mud brick walls, uh, which is great for the walls, but it doesn't work for the roof. And so they're stalled in their construction. So uh, we agreed today to uh, supply the funds to be able to finish their church and uh, get together. But I, I just I love that uh, group picture, uh, all those saints there gathered together. And uh, maybe, Lord willing, Brother Aaron, when you go over, you might be able to visit them and dedicate the church. And uh, It's going to be quite a vacation for you to... Get around and preach at all these churches there, but uh, this is uh, this is just one of the things that's ongoing there. All right, I wanted to uh, divert a little bit this evening here, which is not really much of a diversion, but I wanted to talk about uh, our communion service upcoming this Sunday. And uh, Brother Branham teaches us that we only have three ordinances that we observe uh, in in the res- in the restored. Uh, New Testament church, and I refer that to us in the last day, the restored New Testament church. And uh, Brother Branham was a word prophet, so he brings everything back to the word. He says there's three ordinances that we are commanded to perform. One of them is water baptism, and the other two are the Lord's Supper and foot washing. And so after a little bit of a break here and all the unusual scheduling that we've had over the last couple of years, Lord willing, this coming Sunday, we'll have our communion service at 4 o'clock. Not 5, but at 4 o'clock. Now, through the summer, we're going to have uh, also as well a couple of Sunday night services. And they're just going to be Sunday night service. They're going to be at uh, 4 o'clock. And we'll let you know when those come. We're not going to have them every Sunday. But uh, we're just going to have, we're going to throw them in just so we can have a full day of, of a couple of services on Sunday. And. Uh, we'll let you know when we do that because I think it's kind of nice. Uh, three services every week is almost too much. Two services in a week is almost not enough. So we're going to hit 2.4 and see how that goes. We have a couple of special meetings coming up in the summer here as well. And uh, 
we just trust that uh, these meetings, like the last weekend, are, will be a blessing to you. I, I saw several comments about the services uh, last Sunday, which is great. I think it's wonderful that you can have wonderful services here when I'm not here. But when I read those comments, I think I was on the plane. I thought maybe I should just go back for another week. <laughs> not really. Let me review the the couple of important principles about communion, okay? And I don't, my intent tonight is not be long, but just to stir up some things here that in your thinking that uh, I trust will be a help. This coming year, Brother Branham said, help us, Lord, to be the best for your service and keep sickness out of our midst. This was simply his prayer uh, on New Year's Eve, 1954. And I thought it was a good prayer. I still think it's a good prayer. I think it's a good thing for us to continually pray. Because if we can keep a lot of these things away from us, we don't have, uh, we don't have to make things right up the road. But he said, Lord, keep sickness out of our midst and anoint us with the Holy Ghost. Keep envy, strife, keep jealousy, keep everything that's ungodly away from us. Even if we don't understand the choice, the, the consequences of our choices, the Lord keep us from, from danger. And let it be said of us that we are your children, a city that's sitting on a hill that cannot be hid, granite father. That's a great prayer. Like I say, when things are kept from us, then we don't need to go about making things right. Uh, we are, we are able to move on uh, more smoothly. Satan would obviously like to uh, embroil you in things that, uh, entangle us and slow us down. He'd like to get you caught up in the weeds. Uh, whenever a person is swimming, especially in the ocean, you get caught up in the weeds. It's a terrible thing because you, the more you struggle, the more you get tangled. Satan cannot rob you of eternal life, but he can certainly try to tangle you up in the weeds. And these are weeds. These are not, these are not, uh, causes in themselves. They are, uh, they are attributes of his, uh, influence still in the earth. And, uh, there's, there's some things in life that we can't do anything about. We could not have stopped the pandemic, for instance, or we cannot stop a lot of the political decisions that are made in the world. But, but sometimes we can do better when it comes to strife or envy or jealousy and keeping things that are ungodly away from us. Sometimes we, hey, we just know better. And we'd be, we'd be better off to apply common sense because all of us are human and we're subject to things that go wrong. I love this statement by an old minister, John Owen. He said, I do not understand how a man can be a true believer in whom sin is not the greatest burden, sorrow, and trouble. I do not understand how a man can be a true believer in whom sin is not the greatest burden, sorrow, or trouble. That is prior to the days of Brother Branham. And uh, we know that, that uh, we, know we have a, 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 probably a more sounder definition of sin. But... Uh, when there is troubles in our lives and when things go wrong, that ought to become the highest priority. That ought to become the highest priority for us to resolve. And a person who is not concerned about having his present sins cleansed has a good reason to doubt that his past sin has been forgiven. A person who has no desire to come to the Lord for continued cleansing has reason to doubt that he ever came to the Lord to receive salvation. Quite a statement. So we come to this verse in our communion service, and we'll read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this uh, cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. We don't want to be unworthy when we come to the communion table. 
We want to make sure we put everything under the blood. Uh, we want to make sure everything is resolved between us and him because that's what our communion primarily is. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Hence our title tonight, Examine. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So it is not uh, it is not for us to worry if somebody comes to the communion table who may not have something uh, sorted out or under the blood. That's between them and God. And we come as individuals, as people in communion with God when we come around the communion table. Uh, but it is incumbent upon every one of us then as individuals to examine ourselves and make sure there's nothing in me that is, uh, you know, going to hinder the blessing that God can give through communion. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Now, to a Jew, they would, uh, they use this as one of the, uh, they have something like 14 different uh, pillars or tenets of the faith. And this is one of them, it's, and it happens to be written in the Hebrew language down here. But it says this, I believe with complete faith that the Creator, blessed be He, knows all the deeds of human beings and their thoughts. As it is said, this is not Bible, this is a Jewish writing. He who fashions together their hearts is He who understands all their deeds. Let me read it again. I believe with complete faith, and this is the thing that the uh, Jewish people would say in their learning uh, about the faith. I believe with complete faith that the Creator, blessed be He, knows all the deeds of human beings and all of their thoughts. How many can say amen? That's, I believe that too. And, and He who fashions together their hearts is He who understands all their deeds. And I like that statement because... Uh, sometimes the, a person's deeds, uh, what they do and, and when they do things is not always logical or clear to us. But God understands the deed. God understands the motive. And there's a lot of times when motives are not made clear, they're not expressed. And so this is what this, uh, this is what this saying, uh, supports is that he who fashions the heart, if he fashioned the heart, he can know the heart. And he can know the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And don't misunderestimate God's ability to know the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He does. And so he, he therefore knows what you're doing, but he knows why you're doing it. And that's what's, that's what's important and that's what's really interesting. Now, <clears throat> I've put this up in many, uh, many different versions here. And uh, let's, let's look at this together. In life, the journey includes many things. So to say, uh, from here to eternity... From, uh, I like this, from the new birth to the new body, uh, we're on a journey. Yeah, that's true. And, and that's obvious. But along the way, there are things that happen to us. Right? Along the way, uh, we have a natural family that we have to deal with, and we are shaped partially by our genetics and what we're handed uh, in natural birth. And then we have a family life, and family life affects everybody. Train, even if you don't have a family, that affects you too. People who don't have parents or have step families or whatever else, that affects them uh, as well. We have training and education. Some people get a good training, good education. Some people don't. Um, we have, we have experiences along the way, experiences with God, like, uh, a new birth where, uh, our spiritual journey begins. And we have spiritual experiences with God along with the natural experiences that we have in God. So therefore, uh, you can be united with Christ, but you can also get married, right? It still happens. And uh, as a result of that, 
uh, you know, there are, uh, there are natural experiences and, and spiritual ones that uh, type one another, they parallel one another, uh, but we learn from all of them. And then, of course, we have a period of adolescence, and then uh, we come into the married season, and all of that, by that, we have life experiences. So from here, from the new birth to the new body, or from birth till we leave here, uh, life is filled with all kinds of experiences. Life is filled with all kinds of things that, uh, that we go through. And if you're around long enough and God delays, uh, we'll go through the process of aging. So <clears throat> it is important and it is incumbent for us to make sure that we articulate this part very clearly. There are some people who might be critical of me putting this on the board here uh, because it talks about uh, life patterns. But I want to add this part here and make sure that we understand. Brother Branham says this very clearly, and I love this statement. Your desire was by nature to love the world which you're a part of. You're a part of nature. That's your natural thing. That's the reason you had to be born again, right? It's because you're a natural man in the world first. And then you have to be born again. And the reason you had to be born again is because you're born in sin the first time. You're born the wrong way, but we had to be born the right way. If you're born once, you'll die twice. If you're born twice, you'll only die once. You have to separate. You have to die to that first husband. You can't live with it. In other words, you can't, uh, you can't be born again and not born again at the same time. You can't have a, a false, uh, an evil nature and the nature of God at the same time. You have, the, you have attributes of your parents. You have things that uh, are part of your genealogy. You have a part, you have a part of it. You'll always have a part of that. Uh, if you're a freckled family, you will probably have freckles until you go, right? Because a new birth doesn't take away your freckles. But you have to die to that first husband you can't live with, and you just can't say, well, I'll divorce him and hang him up here, uh, and hang him up here till the occasion. No, sir, no writing of divorcement. He dies. The first nature has to die. The nature of the world has to die. Every speck of him has to die. And you had to be reunited again with another nature, and that's what you were at the beginning was a child of God, right? A child of God, and we come back to be reunited with him again. So, it all begins with the new birth. All of, all of our spiritual journey begins with a new birth. Hang on, I'm just giving you a little uh, footwork here to, to stand on. And uh, in Hear Ye Him, Brother Bram said in 1958, God wants to bless the church. How off would he have hovered you as a hen does her brood, but you would not. You listen to men teachers instead of God's teacher, the Holy Ghost, who would teach you behavior. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to teach his children behavior, to teach the children how the Father likes it done. That's what adoption's all about. Even though Brother Branham never mentioned adoption much after the token message, he did refer to the token continually once the token was preached. Right? And they're really, they're really, uh, in essence, the same thing. Because we, in adoption, we learn the principles and we apply them in a way that's pleasing to the Father. We do the same thing about the token. The token is God's answer for his own requirements, but it'll do you no good unless you apply them. Right? So the things the Holy Spirit brings to us and reveals to us, we need to go home and apply them. We need to apply them in church. We need to apply them in life. Otherwise, they do no good. They are as useless as blood still in the bucket in the days of Egypt. If they didn't take it out of the bucket and put it on the door, it didn't do them any good. Whether you call it adoption or token, 
uh, if we know the principles here, but we don't apply them here and in our, in our everyday life, they really are of no benefit to you. God's not only looking for the fact that you, you heard him, but he's looking for the fact that you apply them. He's looking for you to act out what it is that he's taught you. And that's what this is about. And I will tell you that you cannot do that without the previous screen, which is a new birth. The new birth puts him inside of you to cause you to walk in his statutes and walk in his word and be mindful of his ways. Right? There are some things that you'd never apologize for unless you had the Holy Ghost. And he'll make you come back to somebody and apologize and make it right. Because your genealogy is too strong. Your mom was as stubborn as a mule. Grandmother was probably stubborn as a mule. Great-grandmother was probably stubborner as a mule. It got in there some way. And without the Holy Ghost, you would not go back and, and submit yourself to that process of making things right and doing it because the Word says, because logically to you, I got stubborn genes in me. And that's normal for me to resist. But Brother Branham says the fault is, is that you wouldn't submit to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will make you, He will teach you behavior. He'll make you believe yourself He'll make you behave yourself nice. Now listen, some of you are smiling. Give me a break. I traveled uh, 6,931 miles yesterday. And so I'm allowed to read a few words backwards today. It's called jet lag. Brother Branham says you, you went for men teachers instead of God's teacher who would teach you behavior and make you behave yourself nice. Isn't it better when everyone behaves nicely? Sure. And he says, and make you ladylike, and make you gentlemanly-like, and make you the salt of the earth. The salt creates a thirst, and men thirst to be like you if you really live the Christian life. And men thirst to be like you if you really live the Christian life. And you can't do it in yourself. You've got to have Christ in you to do it. You can't do it in yourself. You've got to have Christ in you to do it. Because every one of us have a set of genes and we have a, an upbringing and we have a natural family and we have, we have had influences in our lives. You need the Holy Spirit to overcome that because there's some of that that's not acceptable to God. There's some of that old life that's not acceptable to God. And so therefore you've got to have the Holy Ghost to not only, number one, be aware of what it is that, uh, you know, your habits and your, your family ways and so forth are not acceptable to God. But then you've got to know what to put in place there that is acceptable to God. And the Holy Spirit will always guide you back to the Word. So that's, that's uh, the, the process here. And this process is a really great one, a really simple one, but I'm just I'm, I'm coming around here. Uh, to the fact that you really can't do this unless you're born again, and you really can't do it unless you're in communion with Christ on a, on a, on a continual basis. Now, now, what's the testimonies here that, uh, that we give you tonight, that I give you tonight, not we? I was at Calgary, Canada, and a boy came in, and they had him in a straitjacket, and he was cursing and carrying on. Uh, this story is a little longer here, and Brother Branham adds some pieces to it here, but I want to just give you the essence of it. And the father was trying to hold him, and the boy looked over at me, and he said, William Branham, you ain't nothing going to, you got, got nothing to do with me. And that father looked up, and he said, wow, he doesn't even know his own name. How did he know your name? And so Brother Branham's talking about the spiritual battle that he has here. And I asked the audience that they just be reverent, and the ushers came to take him out, and just then... Brother Randall explains this now in a moment here. 
He says, I just prayed for him, and the ushers are getting ready to take him out. And just then, I seen the Holy Spirit move out, the angel of the Lord. And I said, now bring him here, just bring him back, just a minute. And when they went to bring him, he started kicking and frothing and biting. And when the vision came and told just what it was, a sin that had been committed by his father, that caused the child to be in that condition, the father fell down and repented. There's no father, you know, in their normal mind would carry on in a sin if they knew that the consequence of that sin affected their child so dramatically. There's no father, no human father in flesh would continue to do that. But he had, he had in some way or another, and I don't want to... I don't want to try to presume too much here, but he had in one way or another either justified himself in what he had done or figured, oh, there ain't no way, there ain't no way that my sin could cause this in this boy. And so he carries on, but he's, he's spiritual enough, at least, he's good enough to bring him in a prayer line where Brother Branham is. He's there because he wants help. He's there because he wants help for the boy. But he doesn't know. He doesn't make this other connection that's kind of buried deeply into there. And that's why we want to examine ourselves. But let a man examine himself. Hey, I don't doubt, but that father has and mother probably got down and said, I wonder what, what happened. I wonder what went wrong. I wonder what, what, what he did. I wonder what took place. So you imagine how in their wondering because the, boy, the little boy is in a straitjacket. And he's obviously demon-possessed. And if that father would have thought, I I guess in such a way or deep enough to realize that it was more to do with him than the boy, surely he would have repented before now. But but this is what the truth brings out. On Wednesday nights lately, we've been talking about the light. This is what the light does. This is what the light reproves. And when that evil spirit went from that boy, thousands times thousands of people in the stampede grounds there that night, that's the Calgary Stampede, huge place, he said they looked, And like a great big spider in a black shadow was floating around over the audience. Nobody went to sleep there. And he says, he says, many times you see them in different forms. They're evil spirits. And many times, watch, it's someone looking ever so beautiful on the outside. Could only look on the inside and see what it is. We're dominated by that spirit. We're dominated by spirit. Every one of us are controlled by a spirit. The thing is, is that we look at, we look at things very much in a natural and, you know, hey, we're human beings. We look at, at things in a natural. Look around here. Everybody's dressed okay and everybody's acting okay and, uh, you know, everything looks good. Well, listen, we really have no idea what really goes on in a person's life by just coming in here in church and sitting in the pew. You don't know what that person's been through. You don't know what they've been dabbling in, or you don't know what kind of problems they have in their homes. Or you don't. Uh, uh, someone was. We were conversing in the office before uh, service, and we were talking about some issues, you know, that exist over here. And uh, the one person said to me, "Well, I guess you probably wish you'd been on the plane going back over there." And I said, "Uh-uh. They told me what they're going through over there. I'll stay here. The devil, you know, is always better than the devil you don't know." Let me tell you, the pressures are not local. The, the spiritual darkness is not local. It's global. We're dealing with global issues at this point. We're dealing with global forces here. 
And in the same way that a conflict today in the natural becomes a global issue, very quickly it becomes a global issue because everyone's so interconnected and everything is all interlaced and intertwined. So also, so also, spiritual issues are very global in their in their execution, if you like, in the way they're carried out. It isn't just uh, you know one church here or one town here or uh, even a nation. Let me tell you, all over. You listen to people what they've been through. I was listening to people what they went through during the COVID years. I was listening to the problems that people are facing in different uh, churches and different situations over in Europe there. And they were asking me, what, do you, what would you advise? What would you do in a situation like this? I made a mention of an example, a completely fictitious example on Sunday morning in Norway. And I was, I was talking, I was using the subject Shalom in the Home. And we were talking about reconciliation. And I just threw an example out there. I said, just for instance, if so-and-so over here stole some money, and, you know, he, can, he, got, he confessed and we were going to make it right and, and so on. This is, this is what we would do, you know, in this situation. I just made it as an example, just passing by and went off. I had three or four people come to me after service and say, what did you do? We have that in our church. We have this situation here. What would you do? And somebody stole something. It wasn't money, but it was something else. You know, what would you? I was, I was just amazed that no matter what example you, you, you used, uh, it, it had affected somebody. So all I'm saying is this, is that these issues are not, uh, they're not localized. They, they, sometimes things can be hotter in a certain place. They can be more intense in a certain place. Uh, but uh, the things that we're dealing with now are end time things. This, this is an end time scenario that we're dealing with and there are end time issues which are big. You talk about the oil problem in our world, it's a big problem. Um, I will tell you this, just to make your day, just to make your day. Uh, there was a re- somebody I was speaking to the other day has a relative who's an executive, top executive in Chevron. And they just had a, 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 a meeting of the executive of Chevron somewhere in the world. And uh, the, one of the things that came out of that was that Chevron was going to propose... Uh, through the oil and gas system that they were going to add another digit onto the cash side of a gas pump. So another, another digit for the price of oil. So instead of the numbers that are there now, they want to add another column. That's what Chevron was proposing. I thought I'd make your day by saying that. I mean, it's it's nuts where it is, and we're just not used to that unless you live in Ukraine. But I will tell you that you know we're 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 dealing with global issues now. It affects everybody. Here's Brother Branham now. He's telling us that that the, here's the situation that we might look at, and you look at the boy in the straitjacket. All eyes are fixed on that boy, right? Naturally, if a, if we were praying for a boy tonight, and his parents brought him up, and he's in a straitjacket, and he's cursing and squaring and spitting and yelling out my name. Hey, our attention's going to be focused on the boy and what's going to happen. And it wasn't the boy at all. There's another problem that exists. Now, in Psalm 139, if you don't mind, I'd like you to just look at this with me in in your Bible here. Psalm 139. You all know it, but you don't know the context of it like I'm going to show you. Psalm 139. This is where David makes the plea, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
The initial reaction to that verse is, oh, no. No, no, we don't want anybody to know our thoughts, and we don't want anybody to know our most secret uh, things about us and, and to know my heart. And so the natural, logical, human nature response to this verse is to draw back. But this is not the way that David is saying this at all. And I ministered on this years ago, but let me come back to you with the text here. If you don't mind, go to the first verse here. And in this first verse, David writes, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with how many of my ways? All my ways. Hey, this is verse 3. God already knows all my ways. Four, for there is not a word on my phone. I'm sorry. There's not a word on my Facebook page. Oh, sorry. For there's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. David is acknowledging, not from verse 23, but from verse 1, God already knows everything about me. Let's go to 13. For thou possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. In a natural sense, you formed me. You made me. You made the bones grow together in the womb of my mother. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance. My substance means all of who I am was obvious to you. Not only on the outside, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but on the inside as well. There's not a word that proceeds out of my mouth that you don't know about already. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! Hey, if I, listen, if I get a choice, I'll take your thoughts over my thoughts. I'll take your ways over my ways. I'll take your view of me over my view of me. And so therefore, let's reread this in 23. He's just simply saying, Lord, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me on the path of everlasting life so I don't miss out on anything you have ordained for me. Point out my ears, point out ways that I can become better. Point out ways that I can uh, please you better and I can live for you in a greater way. Point those things out. I want to know them. David's not afraid of the examination of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't wait till somebody asks him to examine you. He already knows. <laughs> Folks, don't think that you can erase your history with God except by the blood of Jesus Christ. He knows when you say things, why you say them. And so David invites God into this process. Let me say it again. David invites God into this process. I would say this to you. Between now and Sunday at 4 o'clock, invite God into the process to point out anything in you that offends him. And anything that has the possibility 
of getting me off the right path or somehow putting a stumbling block in front of somebody, somebody or something or some way or another. If there's anything there, Lord, show me and I'll make it right. David says, I don't want to miss it. I want to be there. I want to be there with God's people. I want to be there with you. And Lord, if there's anything at all in me that offends you, please, the floor is yours. Sometimes we don't know. Like that man who brought the son to the platform and he's in a straitjacket. He doesn't know. I, I, I got to give him the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't know that what he did caused this. And we don't know how it would have caused that. I mean, that's... I mean, that's pretty complex, really, when you think about it. But nonetheless, when the truth comes out, the finger is pointed at the father instead of the son. And it seems like, in the resolution of things, if, if that's made right, that's going to resolve itself. And there are a lot of things that are going to resolve themselves if the cause is resolved first. And that's the way to deal with it. You've got to find out what you're dealing with first, and then you can throw the right application at it. But you don't want to be casting the demon out of this boy and think you've got it right. That's what Brother Bram says. You've got to be real careful about doing that. Be real careful about doing that. Now, if you have your sheet, let's take a look at it. Now, when you, you can take this home and look at it. I'm going to skim through some of it fast here, but uh, it, it's, it's so great. I want to put it on a separate sheet instead of 13 different slides here. But look at the examination process like this. Brother Branham says in 1958 on the screen here, I'm sued at the law right now for a half million dollars. Hey, a half million dollars back in 1958 is a lot of sacks of flour, right? And they said, them's money that you taken up uh, there to pay your bills, and it was yours before you paid your bills. You passed it through the church, but it was yours first. Brother Branham endorsed the back of the checks by writing William Branham on the back of it, even if the check was made out to him. But he handed them all over to the uh, church. He never took them personally. And I said, but he didn't understand the law, and so therefore he got in, uh, you know, in that uh, swamp with the IRS. And I said, but I never done one thing for it. I never solicited that money. And they said, yes, you did. And they said, you told them that you'd be taking up a love offering. And I said, I want somebody to tell me when it was that I uh, you know, solicited funds from people. And they said, well, you solicited through the mail. And I said, search my office, not a penny. And he actually gave the key to his post office to the IRS representative and said, you check my mail for the next three weeks. And he did. And it was in one place where Brother Branham received a letter that the IRS fellow saw. Uh, There was not an instance where uh, somebody said, well, Brother Branham, since you asked for money, here's the check. Uh, There was none of that. And, And the IRS guy read all of that mail from Brother Branham, and Brother Branham said, hey, I'm not afraid of the examination. Go ahead and take the key. Now, I'm telling you tonight, that's the way we should be. The devil will make all kinds of accusations. The devil will try to start all kinds of trouble. You should be standing there saying, here's the key. Here's the key to my life. Here's the key uh, to my uh, to who I am. Take a look. Because we're constantly in a state of examining, repenting, putting things under the blood, because you know what? We all make mistakes. We all are human, right? Don't blame me. Blame God for making you human. Don't blame me. Blame God for making your enemy human. That's how he did it. (laughs) But he made you human too. 
So we all have mistakes, and we all make mistakes, and we all, uh, you know, have things there that we need to examine, put under the blood. But we should not be afraid of the examination if we're a child of God, because that's what the blood is for, and that's what justification is for. Right? We can stand as though we never sinned in the first place. So when it comes down to the end of the road, and you're standing there before God at the gate and going to go in, you can say, hey, here's the key. Look at my past. Here's the key to my past. Look back there. And you know what? My sins are removed from me as far as the east is from the west. They're in the sea of God's forgetfulness. And God's just going to say, I forgot. All right. Here's the message. Whatever he saith unto you, do it. I tell you this one thing, people. Here's some great advice. Don't worry about anything. Just long, as long as God goes with you, everything else will just fall right into its place. It'll be love, just in your heart. Pray till you love the Lord Jesus with all your heart, number one. And you'll love every one of his people, two. And you'll love every sinner with all your heart, three. Those are what I call the big three. You'll love everybody, and the people will know that you love them. No matter how much you try to impersonate it, you can't do it. Next paragraph. Now, he said it's no one but God alone knows what you go through with. Nobody really knows, and that's true. All the hours of the night I've prayed, and he said, I've been so weak I could hardly stand up, and sometimes we hit hard places and so forth. Then he tells this testimony of this blind man. He said a few nights ago on the platform, there was a blind man came to the platform, and the man had sinned or something was wrong, and I just had prayer and started him away. And something said, so this is typical of Brother Brown. He'd have a person come through blind or crippled or whatever else. Instead of saying, all right, everybody, put the cameras on me. Tonight, you're here to see a great miracle. And this is what God has raised me up for, is to perform these great miracles. And there were people in Brother Bram's day who did that. They were showmen. And people, watch now, I'll read you the next sentence here. And he said, well, I think if you ask for a miracle to be performed, something like that, it hinders your prayer line. And the rest of them are waiting then, as Brother Bosworth used to say, they're spiritual hitchhikers. He said, you must have your own faith. So just stop for a second. Brother Branham never blurted out things that God hadn't shown him. He never blurted out or uh, made a boast of what he was about to do. He didn't do that. Praise for the man who's blind. He goes off. Then he sees the Holy Spirit do something. Is either a, an appearance or something or a light or a vision would break before him. He'd say, bring the man back. Now, now it's a different story, right? And now he could say with absolute confidence that God's going to do this and so forth. And that's often what he'd say, thus saith the Lord, you know, you're going to be healed. Now, <clears throat> he says, but you must have your own faith. And when this man had done wrong, he said, you'll notice, for instance, if I was a real doctor, You go to him and tell him you're having persistent headaches. And he'll say, come in, get on the table, and he'll examine you and do everything. He'll not give you nothing till you find out what he's given it for. There's some cause for everything. There's some cause for everything. Now, notice he's given an example about a natural physical problem. But I want you to read between the lines here now. When a patient comes, be careful. Sometimes there's sin laying there. 
And here stands Mr. John Doe. And he went out a few months ago. He was untrue to his family. He did something evil. God let Satan put a curse on him, bring him back. And now here he comes to the platform. And I stand here because he's miserable. And I stand here, anoint him with oil. Come out of him, devil. I might scream until I get hoarse. And that devil will stay right there. Certainly he will. You had to be careful. You're in trouble with God right away. So you need to know the cause before we can get to a cure. Now, there are some times when we just follow the commission and lay hands on the sick and trust that, you know, they'll, they'll be healed. We don't, we don't always know the back story. But Brother Branham didn't make a show of casting demons out of everybody because it looked like, logically, this person's demon-possessed. If he did, he would have done that with the boy who was in the straitjacket. But he didn't. He just prays for the boy, lets him go on, and then sees something, calls him back. Now there's an dis- act of discernment here, and he sees the father Something else here that's been done that affects the boy. So now we know the cause, right? Guess what? When you can identify the cause 100%, then you can proceed with real confidence and faith here. Are you, are you understanding what he's, what he's saying here? Okay. Now, carry on. This relates to what we're talking about. First thing you should do was Mrs. Doe, Mr. Doe, if he's sick and there's something wrong and can't live but a little while, is find out the cause. What's the will of God? And when the vision produces and shows what Mr. Doe has done or has not done, then you see where the cause is, and we know where the cure is. We know that the cure is the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that something? We always know what the cure is. Cure is not hard. It's, it's getting to the cause. But we've got to know the cause, and then see the Lord Jesus let you know if Mr. Doe will make this right, the healing's there. It's not always there just in every, every circumstance. Because if that person did something that they need to make right, you know what? They need to make it right. That's what he's telling us. There, then you can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, Son of God, you can curse that disease that's on him. Watch. Next sentence. That power belongs to who? The church. And it can be done. Whatsoever you bind on earth, be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth, be loose in heaven. That was not given to just prophets and messengers. That's not given just to pastors, right? So we as a church, when, when the conditions are right, when we know the cause and we know what's going on, we know the, we know the remedy, right? We're, we've been trained to know what the remedy is. We don't have to go too far to figure that out. But you've got to make sure that you're, you're addressing the right thing. Wow, this is good. But otherwise, be careful what you're doing. That's the reason so many have failed in the prayer line. You must come to the line Making confession. And here's your confession. I love it when Brother Branham tells us what we should say. God, search my heart. And if I have sinned, forgive me. And if anything I've failed to do, reveal it to me and I'll make it right. I'll go do just what you want me to do. Examine me, Lord. Now, I'd say this to you. That every one of us ought to make that sincere prayer. But don't make the prayer if you're not willing to do what you just prayed. Don't bother. Lord, whatever it is, I'll make it right. But I know I'm right. And I'll, I'll do just whatever you want me to do. I'm already doing that. Don't, don't pray that way. Because you know why? We read over here in Job here where Job says to the Eliphaz, he says, uh, how about if God examined you? You're accusing me of being a secret sinner. And you're telling me that there must be sin in my life. Otherwise, this tragedy would not have come. And he says, how would it go if God examined you? Because God is not going to respect a hypocrite. That's what he says, right? That's the text we read. So we really have no place 
to be encouraging other people to examine themselves because you probably got your hands full first doing yourself. <laughs> Let me ask you, how would a goal of God examine you? And I don't want an answer. Because you know what? I really don't want to know. I really don't. Because i got a whole lot to deal with right here in my one square foot. Another example. For instance, here some time ago, I was over at Denver, Colorado. Now, you all have heard the story about Brother Bram and the Aunt Jemima woman, right? And how Brother Bram had the plane held up and he was in Memphis and he walks down the street. You know, everybody knows the story. This is the preamble. Brother Branham jumps on a plane, flies to Denver, Colorado, because God shows him a person out there who's in need. On his way back, he stops in Kentucky, and that's when he stays overnight at the Peabody Hotel, which is in Memphis, and the plane is delayed, and he walks down, prays for the colored woman's son, gets back on the plane and goes. Prior to coming to Louisville, he's in Denver, Colorado, because God sent him out there to pray for somebody. All right, So this is the preamble to that. I'm not going to tell you that story. You know that one. This is what you didn't know. For instance, here some time ago, I was in Denver, Colorado, and there was a man who was sitting in a wheelchair. He's seeing this in a vision. I was praying, and he sent me over there to pray for a baby. So in prayer, Brother Bram gets a vision of a baby in Denver, Colorado. Doesn't know who she is, but he knows she's in Denver, Colorado. He jumps on a plane and goes there in obedience to God. And the same day, I'd had a vision of this baby, and they had a little gray Ford. And I went up, and as I opened the gate to go in, there was one of those little old hoes laying beside the gate. And I went, now remember, he's relating now what he saw in the vision here. And I went in, and the lady met me at the door, and she took my hat, laid it on the bed, and as the lady came over with a red sweater on, sat down, and the baby was dying. Then another lady came in and sat down with a brown coat on, and she took my hat, laid it on the television. And I went over and put my hands on the baby, and I looked here by my side, and the baby got well. I looked over, and here he stood by my side. That's an important thing to leave out. Brother Barry, you shouldn't leave those things out. And I looked, and here by my, he stood by my side, and the baby got well. That's the vision. That's what he's relating in the vision now. Okay? Now watch what happens. Not long after that, he's in Denver, Colorado. Three or four days after the vision, well, I was called to a place in Colorado to a man that had TB. And I went to pray for him. And something told me to go over and pray for him. And I got on the plane and went over. And after praying for that man, I don't know whatever happened to him. But I was waiting for the plane. And I said, I just feel like I want to walk. And I was walking down this street. He doesn't know where he's going now, but he's got a vision. But he doesn't know where he's going. And I was walking down this street going along. And I seen a doctor with a gray suit. And I thought, that fellow looks familiar to me. And I looked sitting there and it was a little gray Ford. And it's a vision. And that's what came the other day. And he come out and he said, how do you do? And he spoke, got in his car, very polite. And I looked at, looked laying behind the gate and there was a little hoe that laid there. And I said, this is it. And I went, now how many know that Brother Branham, when he's in a situation like this, he can't arrange anything to be like it's supposed to be. He's got to let it happen, right? And that's a sign that God is there. And that time is right. So he can't go saying, all right, anybody here got a hole and go up and down the street and put it inside? He didn't. He, there had to be one there. Okay? And the hat and the brown sweater and all of that. Now, watch what he says. And I went to the door, knocked on the door, and a lady came out to the door with a red sweater on. And I said, how do you do? And she said, how do you do? And I said, I'm a minister of the gospel. Have you sickness? 
Can you imagine if I did that today? How times have changed. She said, a baby. And I said, it's laying in a bed to the left as you go in the door. And he describes where the baby is and so forth. And she said, whoa, where's your parish? And I said, the world is my parish. My name is Branham. She never heard of me. And I said, may I have prayer for your baby? And she said, you may, sir. We are Christians here. And I stepped in. She took my hat and laid it on the bed. And the other lady with the brown coat on hadn't come in yet. So I waited an hour. Can you imagine if, if I did that? Come to your house and say, is it all right if I pray for your child? Yes. And just sit there for an hour. Don't say anything. He's sitting, he's sitting there. And the lady wondered what all the waiting was about. So it was an hour. And the lady had not come in yet with the brown coat. And after a while, when she came in, she sat down in a place where the lady with the red sweater on was supposed to be sitting. So that wasn't right. My hat was still on the bed. I couldn't tell them, but they had to do it. The angel of the Lord wasn't there yet. That was a sign to me when to pray. Wow. Talk about a world he's living in, you know, that is so so different. And they was working with the baby. Now, remember, the baby's dying. And after a while, the lady picked up my hat, laid it on the television, and I walked over to the bed and said, Thus saith the Lord, the baby will be fine. The baby started reaching for its mother and taking the covers off him. And he said, That was it. And while they were weeping, I slipped out the door. They never knew who I was or nothing about it. Wow. I was going down the street, and right after this, he says, I left there going down the street, and I thought I heard something squeaking, and it was a wheelchair. And I was going right along in front of me. It was going right along in front of me, and I heard it was a man in a wheelchair with a Bible. And I seen him going along, just rejoicing out of the wheelchair. And I thought, that's strange. And I went and stood there where there's a 10-cent store. And I thought, well, here it is. And I said, how do you do, sir? And the lady was pushing him, said, uh, lady pushing him, and I said, what's the matter, sir? You got a mighty fine book there. And he said, I believe every word of it. And I said, do you believe its contents all through? And he said, I do, sir, with all my heart. And I said, what's the matter? I said, the doctor just discouraged me, and I've been crippled with arthritis, and he tells me I'll never walk again. And I said, but the contents of that book said that there was a man died that could make you walk again. And he said, the Lord Jesus? And I said, yes, sir. Do you believe that? He said, I do. Then rise up from there. Thus saith the Lord, you shall walk. And the man jumped up, and, the, and they thought, the people thought, they had the Salvation Army on the corner. And I run, the, I run through the 10-cent store, went out the alley, back the other way, caught my cab, and went to the airplane. They don't know today whatever happened. It isn't for self-glory. It's for the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. A lot, of good, a lot of good counsel in that little section there. That's why I thought it'd be good just to read it here. Brother Bram's not, he's not doing anything here for vainglory. He's not doing anything here for himself. He's just being led of the Lord. He's just, that's all he's doing. He's just uh, doing that. But in that process, he says, very importantly, that you know when it comes down to it, what may look logical may not be really what's going on because we really don't know what happens behind the veil. So you ought to pray that way. Take this home with you. Take your sheet home with you. And and you should pray yourself and say, God, search my heart. And if I have sinned, forgive me. And if I've done anything I've failed to do, reveal it to me and I'll make it right. And I'll go do just what you want me to do.
But I will tell you, you need to get your heart ready before you pray that because if you pray that and God shows you something and you don't do it, to me, by definition, I think that's iniquity. I'm just saying that we come to communion, it's a sacred thing. It's a sacred spot we come to. And so therefore, uh, you know, we, we want to be sure that we're doing just exactly what he wants us to do. I'm not trying to scare anybody away from communion. I think it's a wonderful thing. But I think that we should, uh, you know, take the words of Job to heart there because these people were so self-righteous and they had this all figured out and they kind of looked around and said, ah, you know, the only logical conclusion is that three of us don't have trouble. Job's got trouble. We don't have trouble in our lives. He says he doesn't have trouble in his life, but he's got trouble. He's, he doesn't have sin in his life, but he's got, he's got the trouble. So therefore, he must not be telling us everything. Don't be quick to rush to that, for sure. Now, let me conclude and just say this. I'm not done, but let me conclude. And say that in talking about Isaac, <clears throat> God gave Abraham a double test. I want you to take this son up to the mountain. I'll show you and they're all from up for a sacrifice. In other words, destroy every evidence that he had that the promise would be fulfilled. And in other words, God's taken away all the natural things that Abraham could stand on. And Abraham said, I received him as one from the dead and I'm fully persuaded he's able to raise him from the dead. And that's the people now, the seed of Abraham, because he raised us from the dead. And he who was able to change my mind, change my thoughts, change my nature, change me all over, he can do as he pleases. Whatever he says, I believe it's the truth. And every seed of Abraham believes the same thing. All I'm saying to you is that when we come to this this moment of examination... When we come to this place, we want to let him in. But if he comes in, you, you have to be prepared to go with that. You have to be prepared to submit to that. That's all God wants you to do. You know what? I, 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 just, I believe this, that even things that are very hard, when we do them simply because the Lord tells us, the Lord's got somebody there at the hardest moment, to catch your hand before you kill your own son as a sacrifice. Let me say that again. When God tells us to do something and we do it in obedience, even if it's hard, God's still got angels around that will hold your hand before you go through with what God told you to do. So just believe that, Lord, this is hard. This is going to be hard for me to do. I don't know how it will be accepted. I don't know how, what, what will happen to consequences here with here, but I, I want to come to the communion with a clean heart. And, and this, this may be hard to do, but, Lord, I'm going to trust somehow that you're going to open doors that I can't open, that you're going to soften hearts that I can't soften, that, Lord, you're going to give me the grace to be able to forgive and let go and, and all of that. Because, Lord, I, I'm human, and I've been hurt so many times and all this, and, but I, I want to come to the communion table Number one, in obedience to you. And number two, having said, I've done all you showed me to do. You might be filled with a bunch of malice. You might be filled with a bunch of prejudice. So full you can't even sit and hear one sermon preached. You might be filled with a lot of hatred. You despise everybody that doesn't agree with you. 
And your own life bears record of what you're filled with. By your fruits you shall know them. You might be filled with a bunch of laziness. Just too lazy to do anything about it. Here's the solution. We know the solution. You don't have to be that way. Christ died that you might be cleansed from all of these things. Do those things exist? Yes. Do they exist in believers? Yes. Does the devil get in there and sow wrong things in our thinking and help you know, embed them in our hearts so that we hold grudges and we have, you know, malice and all the other things. We get even or what a prejudice, whatever else. Does that happen to believers? Yes, it does. But, you know, Jesus died and made a way that we don't have to live with that forever. He made a way that we can be cleansed from that. But you've got to submit. You've got to come to the altar like we said at the very beginning and give your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service, and just say, Lord, just wash over me. And I, I don't want to live that way. And I don't want to live with malice in my heart. And I don't want to live with unforgiveness in my heart. And I, I, don't want to, uh, be dis- I don't want to be spiteful against everybody who disagrees with me. And people who, you know, criticize me and all kinds of other things. <clears throat> I've dealt with more of it in 2022 than I have in all my ministry. And the criticisms and the public and private and inside and outside and everywhere. I've never seen the like of it. And it is a, ch- I will tell you personally, it is a challenge to, to like in the, in the quote where Brother Bram says, you pray for uh, sinners, you pray for people that don't love you. And he says, you, you you have to do it sincerely because people know whether you love them or not. It's a whole lot easier for me to read the quote than to actually do it. You try to make things right. They don't, don't, it's not received. You try to make amends. It's not received. You try to explain things. It's not received. And you think, wow. Immediately the devil gets on your shoulder and says, well, you must be really like that. You must be really a rascal. And all kinds of things start going through your head. All kinds of things. And I will tell you something. It's, <clears throat> I know what I'm saying tonight. And I know that, you know, when we, when we come to the communion, it, it, in a sense, it's kind of like the descaler button on your coffee maker. There's a little probe in there, a little sensitivity button inside there that just recognizes when there's enough stuff built up that doesn't belong there that you've got to do some descaling before you get good coffee again. And your descaler sign comes up in your coffee maker. And it ain't going to go away until you descale. So you've got to do the work of, of cleaning that out because it's built up over time. In the world we live in, stuff builds up over time. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit sends you a message saying, you know what, we've got to clean this out. We've got we to deal with this. We've got to face this. We've got to get the vinegar in there, boys, and get this stuff out. Because that's your best descaler. And when you go through that process and you go through that work, clean it all out, rinse it all out. You know what you get? Good coffee again. Thank God for good coffee. But it takes a little work. And we never know when the descaler button's going to come on. Forgive me, but in a sense, communion is a little bit of a descaler button because it, when we come to it, it, it pushes us into, into saying this, search me, O God, and let a man examine himself. 
the seven musicians come. Let's stand to our feet. There's nothing too great for God. There's nothing too difficult for him to descale. There's nothing too impossible for him to help you deal with. He knows how. He cares. And he knows exactly how to do that. Let's... Let's just take a moment here and I'd like to pray with you. Let's just bow our heads together this evening. And I need you now just to close your eyes and just and just think about this this little time that we've got here. As we don't get many times like this in the run of a day or the run of a week. Take advantage of the great spiritual atmosphere that's here tonight and just between you and God no one needs to know or see but just between you and God just reach out to him now and say Lord give me the give me the courage to pray that prayer Heavenly Father as you brood over your people tonight move in our midst in a personal way move in our midst Lord because you're a peacemaker. You are a God who's full of mercy and love and care. You're a God who made provisions for harmony all the way right from the Old Testament when they took oil and they poured it over Aaron and it ran all down over those stones that represented each tribe. And that oil flowed everywhere. Lord, may the oil of the Holy Spirit may have flowed tonight over everywhere, over every heart. Soften us. Forgive us. May we acknowledge, like David, there's not a word that comes across my tongue that you don't know already. We are fearfully, wonderfully made. You know my down-sittings, my uprising. You know everything about me. I just want to be clean, Lord. I want to be pure. I want to be acceptable in your sight. We ask in Jesus' name that you drive every contrary spirit away. May we endeavor to act on your word. May, Lord, you give us real insight. God forbid there be a situation that exists like that father who done a wrong and the consequences were played out in another person, his own child. Lord, that's a sobering reality that only the, only the light could bring out. And in Jesus' name, I pray it shine that same light in our lives. Help us, Lord, right where we are. Help us, Lord Jesus. We need you. We trust you trust you through this part of the process in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you Lord thank you Jesus
need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now. Oh, yes. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right my knees, worship at your throne, I need you, Lord, yes, I need you, Lord, right Oh 
to be take a portion of this spirit with us that we may bring it back and join our pillars of fire together. You are good. You always know what's best. We commit our needs and the needs of your people to you. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen. Amen. Switch it to the key of C. Sing this as you go. May God bless you. He has forgiven me. My sins have been washed from his memory by the blood of the Lamb of
Forgive. 